Thanks, Neville. I'm waiting for my right eye to defog here, so if I'm squinting at you, that's why. I'm conscious of time this morning, so let's start by reading uh, some of Genesis chapter 22. If you have a Bible with you, you can open up to it. And if, um, we don't have pew Bibles anymore, but it's page 16 if you're using an ESV double column. So, Genesis chapter 22, the sacrifice of Isaac. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them, together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on top of the altar, on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord Will Provide, as it is said to this day, On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. I have a very vivid childhood memory. I think it was in Carrickfergus Castle. I know David will keep me right on that. Um, and we were in one of the rooms, and on the floor of the room, there was a well shaft that dropped away down, and on top of the well shaft, it was capped with a piece of glass. And as, as a boy, I, I could go over and look at it, and it seemed to me that that just dropped away off into the darkness into Australia, as far as I could see. And I knew in my head, even as a child, you know, that glass would have to support weight, otherwise they wouldn't have been allowed to put it there. I knew, I knew it, it, it had to be solid. But there came a moment when I had to decide if I was going to test what I knew in my head with my foot. And there's a moment, those of you who are engineers or designers, that you'll know in your process that all the drawings are done, all the calculations have been worked out, the prototype has been built, and it has to be put to the test. 
We have to see if the thing really works. And knowing that something stands up in the real world, that it actually stands up when you test it, is the most important thing. Nobody is interested when they're standing at Carrick Reed in reading the engineer's description of the tensile strength of the rope and the anchor points and whatever else. We want to know that it's been tested and that when we put our foot on the bridge, it's going to hold us. Does it stand up to testing? And through our lives as Christians, our faith is tested. Events, circumstances, some of them unique to being a Christian, and some of them, like the Corinthians were told, common to all of mankind, come into our lives, and God tests our faith. Now, why does He do that? It's very easy to imagine that God is sitting away up there, treating us a bit like a, a lab rat, poking us and prodding us and seeing how we perform. But that's not what's happening when our faith is tested. James tells us in the New Testament, you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, solidness, solidity, reliability, steadfastness. The testing of your faith produces that. And Peter tells us that you can rejoice, though now for a little while if you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Testing of our faith proves that it's genuine, proves that it really works. It's not just a theoretical thing. It's not just something on paper. It's not just something in our heads that we cooked up, but that we know that when it is put to the test, it stood up. And in today's passage, we come to a moment in the life of Abraham when we see his faith tested by God in the most dramatic and honestly unimaginable way. God put Abraham's faith to the test here. And Abraham, in his life up to that point, had had his faith tested before. And Abraham hadn't always performed brilliantly. But at this moment, when his faith was put to the ultimate test, he held up. It stood up. And so for the remaining time this morning, I want us to think about why. Why Abraham was able to stand in the face of that test. And perhaps why we can stand in the face of tests and trials in our lives. And so there's three things that I want us to observe about Abraham in this story. He knew God's voice. He remembered God's faithfulness and he trusted God's character. He knew God's voice, he remembered God's faithfulness, and he trusted God's character. Let's think about that. Abraham had learned by this stage in his life to listen when God spoke. Even though what God is saying to him seems unimaginably hard, there was no doubt in Abraham's mind that it was God who was speaking to him. Abraham knew God's voice. He was familiar with it. When God spoke, he knew to listen. Now, I wonder, do we still hear God's voice in our lives today? The Lord Jesus certainly felt we should. 
He said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So in the Lord's mind, nothing has changed here. His followers know his voice when he speaks, and we obey when he speaks to us. Now, for us today, God has spoken to us through his word, the Bible. It is, we're told, breathed out. It is breathed out of God himself, his word. And in that, God has spoken to us. God has revealed himself through his Son to us in his word. And so while that on the surface appears much less dramatic than what happened to Abraham, it is ultimately much more complete so God speaks to us through His Word, and I wonder, do we listen to it? And God speaks to us as well through that close communion between the Holy Spirit, who dwells within each of us as believers, who unites the child of God to their Father, who prompts us and guides us, who makes that Word of God come alive to us, who brings it to our mind and in the quiet moments of our life, speaks to us. Abraham knew God's voice when he heard it, and we must know it too. We must be familiar with his word, and we must be in communion in our lives with him, so that when the trials and the difficult situations come into our lives, we don't just think this is some random hardship that's happening, but like we have read in Peter and James, we know that this is the testing of our faith that this is God's work for our good in our lives. So we must know God's voice. And then Abraham remembered God's faithfulness. Abraham was able to look back over the years of his life and see moments when even in the face of his own failure, God had been faithful. And we can see that in those gentle words he speaks to Isaac, God will provide God will provide for himself a lamb. That's ultimately what Abraham called the place. God will provide. And that confidence within Abraham came from looking back on a life where God had guided and guarded and led and provided. Even at times when Abraham was trying to do his own thing, even at times perhaps when Abraham didn't think God was doing anything, Abraham could look back on his life and see that God had provided, and he remembered that faithfulness. And even in our own lives on a human level, shared history with someone is a very powerful thing, isn't it? Some of you will be moving school or have moved school or moved to university or moved to a job, and when we move a circumstance in our lives, we often meet people and we make new friends, and that's great. But most of us will have friends who have been with us all our lives. Even now, my best friend was my friend in playgroup. We've been friends when we were three years old. And we have an increasingly large number of years of fun and laughter and good times and celebration, shared heartaches, shared difficulties, moments when we've held each other's burdens, moments when we've rejoiced together, and we can look back on that in our relationship, and that binds us together. That builds an intimacy. And in our Christian lives, that same relationship history builds up between us and God, up between us and the Lord. And perhaps you're sitting here this morning, 
And you can look back at a moment in your life when the Lord held your hand through some incredibly difficult circumstance, through the time when a child seemed like they were at death's door, from the moment when a spouse died, from a moment when your job was lost and it seemed like you weren't going to be able to pay the mortgage the next month. Perhaps right now you can look back at a moment like that in your life, at moments over the course of your years when the Lord has been with you. You can look back and see how God has provided. Like the hymn writer says, with mercy and with judgment, my web of time he wove, and I, the Jews of sorrow, were lustered with his love. I'll bless the hand that guided, I'll bless the heart that planned. And so Abraham could look back, even in the face of trial, and remember God's faithfulness, and so can we. So he knew God's voice, he remembered God's faithfulness, and finally, and most critically here, he trusted God's character. Abraham trusted that God was going to keep his promise. What do I mean by that? Well, before this moment, God had promised Abraham that I am going to make you a great nation. Through your children, I am going to make you a great nation. Through your descendants, all the people of the world are going to be blessed. And it was made clear to Abraham that Isaac, his son, was the one through whom this was going to happen. Through Isaac, God was going to make Abraham a great nation. He had promised that to him. He had promised it very clearly and very solemnly to him. And at this moment, Isaac, still probably a late teenager, didn't have any children. So it hadn't happened yet. And so the question in Abraham's mind when God says, take your only son through whom I promised I was going to make you a great nation and sacrifice him, is has God changed his mind? Has God backed out of what he said? Is God fickle? Has God actually reneged on that promise that he made me? Has God put it into reverse gear in terms of our relationship? That's the question that very legitimately could have gone through Abraham's mind. Is God backing away from me here? Is God going to break his promise? But Abraham had come to be absolutely certain that God would always keep his promise, that God was always going to stay true to his word. He knew in his heart absolutely that God would keep his promise through Isaac. And you can see that. You don't have to take my word for that. In verse 5, he says to his servants, I and the boy are going, and we will come again to you. So even though he didn't know how this was going to work out, even though he didn't know exactly what God was doing or how he had it planned, Abraham knew with 100% certainty in his heart that God was dependable, that God was going to keep his word. And that was the test of Abraham's faith here. Did he trust God? Did he trust God to keep his word, to keep his promise? Did he think God would do what he had said? Ultimately, did Abraham really know who God was? And he did. Abraham trusted God's character. 
So as we close, each of us are going to face times in our lives that test our faith. Some of you, I know, are facing them right now. Some more of us may be facing them in the next six months. But as we face those trials, we can follow in Abraham's footsteps. We listen to God's voice. We remember God's faithfulness in times past, and we trust his character. And so we can have that same confidence Abraham did, that God will keep his promises. So when we read in his word that he says, I will never leave you or forsake you, we know that God will keep that promise. When the Lord Jesus says to his disciples and through them to us, I will be with you always, we know that he will keep that promise. We know that when we read in his word that God is described as him who is able to keep you from falling, that that is true. God can be trusted with our own Isaacs, through our own trials, through our own difficulties and hardships, whatever that is for you, however big or small it may seem to the outside, whatever hardship is putting your faith to the test, we can trust God's character. So that through it, the tested genuineness of your faith may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. God bless his word to us. Father, we thank you for your dependability in a world that seems so fragile. But Father, more than that, we thank you that you test our faith to prove its genuineness and to build steadfastness within us. We thank you for that as well. And Father, you know the heart and the life of every one of us here. You know the struggles, big and small. You know the things that are putting our faith in your goodness to the test. And so, Lord, we thank you for the example of Abraham. We seek to hear your voice in our lives. We look back on your hand over our steps over the years past, and we remember your faithfulness to us. And as we look forward to a future that may seem unknown and uncertain, we trust that you are dependable and utterly honorable and will keep your promise to have us under your wing. In your name, amen.